Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Drinks of Ellie podcast, where we're talking everything from red red wine to pina coladas. Today is Monday, April 11th, and this is episode number 46. And my name is, of course, Allie, as always. Since today is Monday, that must mean this is a Mixed Drink Monday show, where we will talk all about a single drinks topic for the week. This week's show is going to be a talk about a slightly unglamorous but very useful topic for you. Today, let's take a peek at some essential bar tools, where you can find them, and maybe we'll leave off with a little cocktail recipe at the end. And can I just say happy gin and tonic day this past Friday? Holy cow, guys, how did we miss that one? Whoops. Also, if you're looking for an idea for dinner tonight, then may I suggest you celebrate International Grilled Cheese Day. Uh, by enjoying a grilled cheese sandwich for dinner, whether you're enjoying a classic quote-unquote American cheddar, or you choose to kick it up a few notches with a brie and green apple sandwich on raisin bread, grilled cheese is such a tasty way to enjoy a lighter dinner. I love grilled cheese. Not even joking. So, let's jump on into our main topic today. The first tool that we want to invest in, even before some sort of shaker, is a jigger. If you've sat at a bar in some long forgotten and distant memory from pre-COVID times, then you've seen a bartender use a jigger. It's a little measuring vessel that we use to measure out all the liquids, alcoholic and not, in a cocktail creation. There are a bunch of styles of jigger and it's entirely personal as to which style you prefer to use. So you may have to try a couple of styles before you feel completely comfortable with using the jigger. The first style is one I've never personally used, but I know plenty of bartenders who do use it. It's called a multi-level jigger. They basically look like a teeny tiny measuring jug with the measurements listed on the inside. The advantage is that they're much easier to read um, and you can kind of, some of them are sloped so you can really easily read them. And it can be easier to get the liquid to your mixing glass or your mixing tin. But they can be hard to read, and you often need to have multiple jiggers to get all of the measurements that you need. Um, So they don't always come in a very orderly fashion when it comes to how much is in them. But they're pretty cool. And uh, if you're just looking to have a nice, simple, easy one to read. It's a good way to go. Next, there's the classic jigger, um, which is probably the most basic of the jiggers. I don't really like these ones, and I wouldn't call them classic. It has two sides, so a top and a bottom, and they are quite wide, which usually leads to a lot of spillage. Um, they're very cheap and easy to find. Every restaurant supply store has them, and they're kind of like the basic starter jigger in the world. Up next, we have the Leopold or Bell, Leopold Bell jigger, or just the Bell jigger, whichever you prefer. Most people call it the Bell. So this looks like it has two little egg cups attached together in the middle by a thin piece of metal. This is my personal preference for jiggering. The bells are well-weighted for holding between your fingers. 
um, and it's a lot simpler to read. So the smaller side will have four increments on the one side, and then the larger side has two. So your bottom one is a quarter, half, three quarters, one ounce. The other side is one and a half ounces and then two ounces. Um, and they're a little bit sleeker, a little bit more, um, they're a little bit sturdier to use, so they're a little bit easier to move everything in. The final style is called the Japanese Precision Jigger, or just the Japanese. Um, these are very tall and skinny, and they're very sleek, and they're easy to use for like flare style of bartending, because you can flip them over really well in your fingers. Um, but they have a really hard meniscus line, so you really have to like fully measure up to whatever the precise amount that you want is, which can make for the need for a lot of practice in order to get that precision down pat. Um, personally, I would recommend that you start with a bell and go from there. Um, I have both bells and Japanese, um, and I tend to always reach for my bells before the Japanese ones. A couple of things when you're buying them. They do come in all kinds of colors, um, and even within the bell shape, there's different shapes, so you have some play there. Um, just make sure that you get one that you, A, like, and B, that has clear markings on it for the amounts. Remember, you want something that preferably has a quarter ounce, half ounce, three quarter ounce, one ounce on one side, and one and a half and two ounces on the other side, or just something in that order if you're going for multi-level. And like I said, there's tons of colors, so you can go wild. You can pick, this is going to be my color for the rest of my life, or this is going to make my color for now. Um, all of my stuff is copper patina, so it all looks the same when it's set together. But you can get, um, like, a friend of mine just got a set that's pink. So you can totally get all kinds of stuff that, there, guys. Alrighty. The next piece of equipment that you should invest in is a good quality shaker. So you can stop using that mason jar to shake all your cocktails. <laughs> Again, there are a few different styles for each. Um, there are a few different styles, each with their own advantages and disadvantages. And again, you can often find them in multiple colors, especially um, with what we call the Boston, which we'll get to in a minute. And you can have them totally customized, whatever you want. First up, our first style is the cobbler, which is probably the most common style people first buy. I know I've seen these just about everywhere, so you probably have two. You know, sometimes uh, around Christmas, you see the little cocktail making sets at somewhere like Winners or TJ Maxx. That's usually a cobbler. It has the recipes printed on the side, has sloped shoulders as part of the cap, and inside the cap, there's also a strainer. So it's a bit of an all-in-one solution, and it's easy for people to pick up. You can do everything with one hand because it creates a really tight seal. So the advantage of it being all-in-one means that you don't have to buy 
anything extra like strainers. They're super easy to use. And like I said, they often have recipes on the side, which is very handy. And they can be found in glass or metal and just about everywhere that you look. On the flip side, they can be hard as heck to open once they've been used. So once the ice is in them, they do tend to create like this overly tight seal that even once you've poured the liquid out can be hard to get open. I've also had one explode completely in my hands while trying to open it before. Yikes, not so great. Um, but they're a great way to start. And like I said, if you can get them anywhere, it's going to be really easy for you to find one. Next up is the Boston Shaker. This is the one that the vast majority of bartenders use. I do know some people that use uh, uh, cobblers and some that use our third style. But Boston tends to be where we want to go. Uh, one website I was taking a peek at for sales called it the major league of cocktail shakers. There are two styles. So you have tin on tin and tin on glass. The same present premise is used in both styles, and basically there's a small tin cup that slides tightly inside a larger cup that's made of either tin or glass. Um, so the bo bottom tin, the big one, sits upright, and then the small tin sits inside of it at about a 35 to 45 degree angle. When tapped together with ice in one of the cups, they create a perfect seal, which would allow you to pick it up by the top, and therefore shake with either one hand or two, um, depending on the style that you prefer to use. Now, I don't think that this is really hard to take apart. All you have to do is tap it on the side. Again, if you've been to a bar, you've probably seen somebody do that. And they pop right open. These shakers are super easy to use and clean and very fast for baking cocktail after cocktail because you can just flip them open, flip them open, flip them open. The disadvantage is that every once in a while they do get stuck, um, so you have to take a couple extra taps to get them open. You do need strainers in order to strain everything out. And if you have tin on glass, the glass can break. This is why um, most bartenders, if they're doing tin on glass, use their, they use just a pint glass, um, which every bar ever has, and they're really easy and cheap to get a hold of. The third and final style is called the Parisian or French shaker. This style is rather hard to find and can be quite expensive because of that, but they are becoming more and more popular. They are essentially a combination of both the Boston and the cobbler styles. They have the sleek shoulders of the cobbler style and they look very fancy when you're using them. But much like the Boston, they don't have the built-in strainer. They're a lot easier to open than the cobbler. They, um, they've kind of solved that tightness issue. And they're super easy to clean like the Boston's. So it's a kind of a nice combination thereof. Again, it's going to be totally personal. Like I said, most people start with a cobbler and then move to the Boston and go from there. Um, again, you can find them in all kinds of colors. Um, I have sets that are... Um, plain tin on glass. I have copper set. I have a tin on tin set that has tiki images etched into it. So you can really kind of go wherever you'd like with that one. Up next 
you'll want to get a mixing glass. Also, guys, before we go any further, don't feel like you have to invest in all of this equipment at once. You can easily start with a jigger and a mason jar, and then add each piece as you get, you can afford it, or as you feel like you need it. So if you start to notice that you make a lot of shaken cocktails, grab a shaker. If you tend to be drinking more stirred cocktails, grab a mixing glass first um, and do it slowly over time. All right, back to the mixing glasses. Most that you will find are made of sturdy glass, but you can find steel or metal ones too. Um, you want it to be, th- you want the edges to be thin enough to chill quickly as you're stirring, but not so thin that they can break when you're just stirring your spoon around inside of it. So you don't want it to shatter just because you touch the wall because it's cold. They should again be wide enough to stir easily, but narrow enough not to spill all over the place. So if you're buying from a cocktail retailer, like a cocktailing store, they're really easy. They're all basically the same standard shape and size. Um, There's a few variations, but not by much. Um, You can, if you're just getting started on making stirred cocktails and you've bought a tin on glass or a tin on tin Boston shaker, you can use the bottom half of your shaker to do it as well. You could use your cobbler. It would just be a little bit tighter. Um, They tend to be narrower. In general, Our mixing glasses hold 750 mils or 25.4 ounces, um, which is large enough to hold one to two cocktails plus the ice without splashing as you stir. So they're basically all a standard size. Some are super intricately cut glass while others are very plain. Um, I have both styles. I prefer my plainer one. Um, since it's lighter to use, so if I have to lift it up a lot, it's lighter um, than my intricate cut glass one. Some have feet, um, so it stands like on a little pedestal. Most stand flat on the ground, so it really becomes a personal choice, again, at that point, which one you want to go for. And if somebody were to gift you one that's a little bit more intricate, just roll with it for now, guys. Don't worry about it too, too much. Um, alrighty. I think we're going to need two shows to cover this topic fully. So we'll maybe leave our equipment there and we will go on to some places to purchase. And then I will give you a super awesome, tasty cocktail recipe. So my favorite places to order barware from um, are Cocktail Emporium. They're in Toronto, but they do ship. Um, and if you, once Toronto's out of lockdown, if you happen to live in Ontario, um, you can go to the store and you can kind of pick everything up and fiddle around with it. So you can kind of get the feel for which style you would like. Um, also check out a company called Garnish Barware. They're a small company um, based in BC that do custom engraving of barware. They're a friend of mine who owns it, and I love giving shout-outs to really cool people. Um, So they take every piece of bar tool imaginable, and they custom engrave different things on it. So it can be a picture, it can be words, it can be just about anything you want. Very cool. Um, Down in the U.S., 
Cocktail Kingdom is by far the largest supplier of barware. Um, and their website's quite easy to maneuver as well. Most of these websites do carry like a cocktailing beginner kit. Um, so if you wanted to invest and kind of get everything all at once and have everything, you can just simply buy a kit from them and go from there. Um, I would suggest not ordering from Amazon because it can be a little hard to tell what you're buying when you're just looking at the itty bitty pictures that they have on the website. So I would avoid Amazon. I've tried to buy stuff off there before and I just keep going back to the other companies um, in order to buy. So for our cocktail recipe, well, I think guys, we need to talk about the gin and tonic. So this one is super classic and super easy to make. You're going to need a tall Collins glass. You're going to fill it up with ice, add two ounces of your favorite gin, and then you're going to slowly pour two ounces, or to fill, and probably be more than four ounces, of tonic water down the side, and you're going to garnish with a beautiful slice of lime. Now, you can find tonic waters in all kinds of flavors right now. You can find them um, from a company called Fever Tree, which you can find just about everywhere. You can get them in elderflower. You can get them in aromatic bitters, all kinds of awesome different flavors. So just take a peek next time you're at the grocery store, because there are probably a whole bunch of flavors that you can try, and it's kind of fun to experiment. Um, different gins are going to go well with different tonics, so try them, see what works, see if you can find a cool new combination for yourself. All righty. With that, we'll wrap up another episode. Stay tuned for part two of Essential Bar Tools. If you have a question, comment, or concern, you can get a hold of me in a few ways. You can hop on over to the website and hit the contact me form and fill it in. It'll come right to me. You can, if you have a question, comment, or concern about this specific show, you can hit podcast 46 page and leave me a question right there. If you'd like to get a hold of me directly, it's drinkswithally at gmail.com. The website too, guys, is drinkswithally.com. Nice and easy to remember. If you want to link up on social media, super easy to remember. It's at drinkswithally on all the platforms. So that is Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Spotify, and Pinterest. I will see any comments or direct messages that you leave me there and I will get back to them. So with that, guys, fill your glass with something tasty on this Monday morning. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>